0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast. Usually it's with David and Nikki Nellis, but Nikki is with our daughter, Tess, at a hip-hop competition in Norfolk. Don't ask. So subbing for Nikki today is our son, Sam. Uh, We didn't just pluck him out of the the cosmos. Sam is in the restaurant industry. He's he's, uh, AGM at uh, Red Hen, which is a celebrated restaurant in D.C. How Mm are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? All right. Okay. Great. You look good. You look awake. And uh, it's appropriate that Sammy's here because today's show is all about the D.C. area restaurant scene, but really about the entrepreneurs that are bringing on new concepts uh, as we speak. Um, you know, the word is spread far and wide that D.C. is one of the best uh, dining cities in the country. And so what's interesting, I mean, there are great restaurants here. There seems like gazillions of them and more opening every day. And so it is fascinating to me that there are people who still have that entrepreneurial spirit. They want to get in on the scene. So today we've got uh, Al Goldberg, who is the brainstorm and the brain genius behind Mess Hall, which is an incubator for new restaurant concepts. And we'll get into what that is. And um, uh, you know. Well, you? I mean. Uh, Why don't you tell everybody? The
2: Culinary Incubator, for those of you wondering, uh, is a. Um, it serves as a restaurant concept jump starter. Uh, it supports up-and-coming food entrepreneurs by providing commercial kitchens combined with institutional knowledge. I think you're reading, dude. I might be. <laughs> and extraordinary opportunities. You wrote it. I'm trying to well, follow you. Well, know, you know, but
0: yeah, I, I, it's a really interesting concept to me, uh, and we'll get into that with Al, because, you know, you, you hear about technology incubators and how they help all these guys with, you know, app ideas and all that. But to really help. I know a million people who say I want to own a restaurant. Launching a, a restaurant is a much different proposition than just wishing and hoping. And you might wonder why our friend Nevin Martell here is is here. Nevin is a uh, world-class, world-renowned food and wine journalist, lifestyle journalist. Um, you actually authored the uh, the Founding Farmer's Cookbook, did you not? I
3: did, not I got to spend
0: some quality time with you chatting about that a couple of I, years ago. I remember. Yeah. I was younger. You know. <laughs> so was I. All right, so... Why don't we? We're really here to talk about an event and the people participating in an event called New Kitchens on the Block, which is coming up on the nineteenth of March. Am I right? Today, yep. But but let's set the stage first. Al, why don't you, better than any of us, tell us about Mess Hall and and the, really the the mission there.
4: Um, mess Hall is uh, yeah, for lack of a better term, an incubator, and what that means to us is that we're we're sort of collecting a bunch of people that um, that are doing some pretty amazing things to afford – The uh, the food movement here in D.C., not just limited to restaurants, for sure. But we do have uh, we are host of food trucks and a bunch of talented caterers and some consumer packaged goods and bakers, um, many familiar names, such as uh, Bullfrog Bagels, for example. Uh, Awesome bagels. We've had them on the show. So really great. um, Bluebird Bakery, uh, a couple of other people that uh, we've got about a collection of 40 of them.
0: But why do this? I mean. What, you know, what was the impetus for you? Did you just wake up one morning and go, I'm going to incubate restaurants? You know,
4: it, it all came
0: out of frustration. Uh, I think I shall incubate a restaurant. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know, there's so many talented people out here. You know, we've got a room full of them today um, that are specific with restaurants, but it was really a frustrating process for me to try and open up my own catering company uh, quite a few years ago, maybe five, six years ago, and there just wasn't any space in D.C., and it was just too expensive. So there were all these shared bikes and shared cars, and uh, so we thought, well, Um, Why not open up shared commercial kitchen space? But that just didn't seem like it was it'd be enough. So um, took relationships and institutional knowledge and kind of put it all together. And we do anything and everything that we can to help rise these companies up and and bring them into the scene.
0: Are you the first of your kind?
4: Uh, in the in the in D.C. My, I area. am the oldest of two siblings is that what you hear? No no <laughs>
0: no. No, but I mean here in the DC area it's a it's a brave idea for brave people who want to get going. My question is was there ever anything like mess hall before? Uh
4: there are you know the city now has a couple of different shared kitchens. Um this the country is kind of uh there's probably a couple to, couple hundred of them now all uh, all around the nation and I think it just um Concepts like concepts like ours um together just sort of bring together uh the or, or make it make it so that uh different people uh that have these talents and and would be concepts uh to be able to come to market
2: now what what is the need for a restaurant to have a commercial kitchen before they have their own commercial kitchen? can't they do um recipe testing in their house?
4: Uh, you can always recipe test, but how do you, how do you connect with the general public, right? So we've got somebody, uh, like written here in the studio today. Uh, we have, uh, Michael and Alex and they're from restaurant June. Um, they popped up, uh, their own restaurant at Mess Hall, uh, just last month to sold out crowds and were really able to start to push their name out there and let people try the food, heat everything up, uh, from a hype standpoint and, um, uh, and, and, uh, and accelerate their chances of uh of opening sooner than later.
0: Great. All right. So now Nevin, let's get to you. I mean, how, what are you doing here, man? I mean, how did this
3: happen? Well, you know, <laughs> I love the fact that Al's the kind of guy that takes crazy ideas and helps make them reality. Um a couple years ago I helped out Al with a project that he was doing called Launchpad, which uh was basically a grand prize package for an upstart uh, you know, restaurant um and or food producer. And um, they got a huge. Al asked me to MC the event, and apparently I did a nice enough job that he friended me on Facebook. So we stayed in touch. <laughs> um, and uh, after that, I had um, had a kind of an odd idea for um, uh, a cannabis food festival that Al helped me uh, kind of hone and turn into. A cannabis cooking class event at Mess Hall called you Blazer. Blaze.
0: a stoner. You're, you're, you know.
3: I'm, I'm coherent. I'm awake. You, you I'm are, here. Are you I'm me? a father. you you know. I'm trying to dispel stoner stereotypes. One sentence at a time. Um, so I just, um, I'm just hoping to become a stoner. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so so we did the event, and it was it was a great success. We got on the front page of the Washington Post style section, and had a huge crowd for it. And uh, Al was kind of like, "What do you got next?" And I was like, "Well, you know, people want what they can't have." And there's such an energy and excitement around the food scene in D.C. that I think that people would love a chance to come together and try a whole bunch of new restaurants before they open. Things that are either in the pop-up stage like June, things like Taqueria del Barrio that are like almost about to open, things that are at all different stages in their process of opening. But in many cases, they'll be things that people wouldn't be able to try at all.
0: All right. At this event, it's it's not a contest, and no prizes, there's no nothing, no right?
3: Everyone gets loved equally. They're like my children.
0: All right. Yes. And, and yeah. let's say again, it's March Wait, 19th at Mess Hall, and bef- we're going to say this a couple of times. How do I get tickets?
3: Tickets are on Eventbrite. There are two sessions lasting from 11 to 1 and 2 to 4, and you can eat and drink as much as you like during each two-hour session.
0: And are you guys, all of you, kind of, are you looking for feedback from the people, too? Because, you know, you've got, you, you can't have... Um, what I sort of, uh, uh, you know, ego-light in in, in in this kind of situation because you want to know that you're on the right track. So are you looking, will there be questionnaires? Will there be anything like that? I mean, how will I give feedback if I come? More well, importantly, there will be a lot of booze. Yeah, yeah.
4: We're well, more but I booze put
0: than
3: put I think what's unique about our event is that, you know, all the chefs and entrepreneurs and owners are going to be there and they're going to be interacting with the guests one-on-one. So no one's going to be sitting down and filling out a paper questionnaire at the end of it or logging onto an app and doing something like that. What they'll be able to do is sit down and talk to the owner, sit down and talk to the chef and say, like, this is what I did like, this is what I didn't like. But more importantly, a lot of these people are going to be coming and saying – when are you opening, when can I have this again, when, I, when can I try more from you? And that's the kind of
0: information that they're going to be able to give, too. So right. it's, you know. And are you guys ready to hear criticism as well as, I mean, Rahul, are you ready to hear <laughs> yeah, that Ross is you know, maybe missing something or is hitting the ball over the fence? You've got to take Definitely. it both ways. I mean,
5: I'm more inclined to hear it now before we open. Uh, versus uh, you know, once we open our doors and people try our food for the first time and don't like it then. I'd rather test it now and really get good feedback on a personal
0: level from these people um, who are coming to the event. All right, fair enough. We should mention who's in with us. We've got uh, four participants, four participating restaurants. We have way more than four participants in the groups. <laughs> I don't think there have been this many people in the studio before. We bring the love. But the participants uh, joining to us today, the, the restaurants are Rasa Grill, um, uh, Taqueria del Barrio, uh, June, and uh, uh, a wine bar called Dio, and we'll introduce all the, the people in a sec. But uh, we've really got a nice cross-section of sort of different concepts that we'll be looking at. So, so you know, back to you. What do you expect the outcome of this to be? Uh, I think there will be maximum
4: exposure to eleven brand new concepts. I mean this is it's pretty remarkable. I wanna say it's unprecedented, but it, it's worth mentioning. This is our second incarnation of NKOTB. The uh-huh. first one um featured people like Marjorie who opened Smoked and Stack right. uh, and the folks from Colada Shop, which is probably my favorite new uh, definitely my, my favorite new coffee shop oh, on Fourteenth Street. <laughs> um Wait to make it super specific. Yeah. My favorite
3: coffee shop on 14th Street.
6: <laughs>
3: favorite new on 13th Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. The, the pour-overs on just 13th Street. It depends
7: on what is. street I wake up on. Which happens to be on 14th Street. <laughs> yes. Well,
0: but so what you're saying, I mean, Mar- Marjorie Meek Bradley was yeah. an established chef who just Absolutely. came off a, a sterling performance on Top Chef. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and you've got, you know, this year you've got, uh, along with folks who, who are less well-known, let's put it that way, you've got Kyle Bailey, Johnny Spiro,
3: my right? We do, we do. Frederick Depew. We've got Matteo Venini, who's at
0: Lupo Verde. I love Frederick Depew. He yeah. is one of my favorite guys in the whole world. What a He's niche. good dude! He's yeah, a good man. So it's a mix. It's people who have new concepts and they want the feedback and they want the the info. All right, uh, just quickly, so I don't forget to do this. Uh, we have Rahul Vinod and uh, Sahil Rahman from Rasa Grill. Did I say names right? Yeah. I get an A for that. All right. Uh, that's an Indian fast, uh, fine, fast casual restaurant that, uh, I guess your concept is to make Indian cuisine accessible to all. So you're going to accommodate American palates who might not have, might not be able to take the heat, right? Traditionally, is that an idea? Well, <laughs> wait, I'm just, I, that's a yes or a no. <laughs> Either, I, Tell
8: yeah. us the truth. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd say we're not going to tone down the flavors by any
0: means, but uh, we're really trying to make Indian cuisine more accessible to, uh, to more folks. Got it. Okay. Uh, Anna Branlis is here with Mikey Torres and Chris Martino. Uh, she and her husband Sean are going to open Taqueria Del Barrio, and we're we got lots of tacos in front of us.
7: Oh yeah! Uh, they currently
0: own D- the DC Empanadas food truck. They've got a stall at Union Market. So these guys are somewhat veterans of the uh, the restaurant wars. Is that fair?
1: Um, I wouldn't call us veterans, but at least, you know, we've we've had our toe in the water.
0: Shawnee looks like a veteran. Look <laughs> at him. over there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's a veteran of Anna. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Alexander Bookless and Michael Turner are here. Uh, they're opening, right now they're doing pop-up renditions of a restaurant they're going to be opening called June, correct? Um, and that's going to serve American cuisine with an emphasis on local sourcing. Is that a fair summary?
9: Yep, absolutely. All
0: right, and we'll get back to everybody. And then Stacy Corey Diaz is here from uh, Deal Wine Bar. Uh, she's also going to be our drink person today, uh, pouring different wines. So Stacey's especially welcome here. You know, <laughs> yeah. Get us all liquored up. Um, you know, we've got a, we've got about a minute. You know, why don't we go commercial now? Because I want to open it up after that. So this is David Nellis and Sam Nellis. I'm still here. You're still here. (laughs) Uh, Why should I let him get a word in? Um, uh, On Foodie and the Beast, and we'll be right back.
6: This Tuesday, 3-14, is Pie Day. And the market at River Falls in Potomac will be selling their award-winning crab cakes for 3-14 instead of the regular price of 11.95 limit 6 per customer marketriverfalls.com or call 301-765-8001 this segment of foodie and the beast is sponsored by profish dc's premier seafood company profish delivers only the freshest safest and most sustainable seafood visit them at profish.com
1: i'm more resourceful than i thought
6: my suit can still make an impression My video games are still game changers.
1: And my lamp can bring others a bright future.
6: Because when I donate my stuff to Goodwill, it helps fund job placement and training for people right in my community.
10: Now my stuff gets a second chance.
6: And will give someone in my community a second chance, too. Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. That's Goodwill.org. This message brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.
0: All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David Nellis and Sam Nellis, who is a... Uh, Key member of the administration at the fabulous Ren Hen here. Ren Hen. Ren Hen. <laughs> Red Hen. And I haven't even had any wine yet. Uh, very quickly, I want to mention we've got a lot of sponsors, but the Market at River Falls is celebrating Happy Pie Day on Tuesday, March 14th. They're going to be selling their award-winning, and I say that because they won a big award from Bethesda Magazine. Their crab cakes were only $3.14 each. Get it? three fourteen. I don't get National it. Pie Day, March 14th. Anyways, there's a limit to 6 Sticks to a customer, so get in there and get them. That's the market at River Falls and Potomac. All right, so let's come back to talk to Stacy Corey Diaz from uh, Dio. You're gonna. It's a natural wine bar. Is that what I'm?
10: That's absolutely correct. What's yeah. What's a
0: natural wine?
10: Yeah. So natural wines um, have no legal definition, but my approach. Give me to the them... illegal definition. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, my approach to them is it's basically grapes that are grown organically or biodynamically. And then in the cellar, the processes that go into making the wine include no additives and nothing being removed. And- there's exceptions to this. The bar is more about being transparent, but um that's the overall tenets.
0: And where you wine. get I mean, where are the wines from? Are they all American wines? are they? It's
10: from all over the place. A lot of natural wines are being produced in Europe right now, specifically France and Italy. but you have California doing it. There's winemakers all over the world that are starting to get their hands and dirty. Will with you that feature style. wines?
0: I mean, there's some places that you don't naturally assume, you know India, Georgia, Romania, we've yeah. had, you know, a bunch of uh, winemakers in, in the studio in the past couple of years, you know,
10: Yeah, There's some, making wine
0: in China. Right. Who There's knew? some
10: really exciting places making wine. I mean, every state in the U.S. makes wine, too, which is uh, pretty fun. But it all comes down to practice and methods. So the main tenets behind the bar is to source uh, as much natural as possible, and where that comes from varies. I mean, yeah, in Georgia, they've been doing this for a long time um Slovenia. I mean there's a lot of fun places that are starting to take off and you know they're getting their wines across the ocean and into bars in DC and New York and and it's it's fun and it, we we don't really have as much of that here right now but I'm excited to bring more into town. Well,
0: you've poured a first one. What do you would you pour for us?
10: Yeah, so here I have a Lambrusco. It's a Vigneto Sayeti and uh, I'll go ahead and pass it around soon but this is a sparkling red, um, which is pretty fun. There's no sulfites added, which is uh, huge for natural wines. They're, they will sometimes add some in, but just as like a preservative, um, keep the shelf life for the wine. But um, this one, there's absolutely nothing that goes into it. There's like up to 200 additives that can go into wine. Um which is really common practice. So this one's an exciting example of absolutely okay. nothing in there. Look,
0: everybody's salivating. Pass it around, yeah, and we'll come back to you shortly. So, uh, Rahul and Sahil, tell us about Rasa and what you got going on there. What you're going to be? I mean, dig deeper than 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 it's Indian food for you know the American audience, the American palate.
8: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, so Rahul and I were actually kind of born into the restaurant industry in that uh, our fathers co-own a couple restaurants, one called Bombay Bistro in Rockville, Maryland, and another one called Indique in Cleveland Park. And uh, so, I mean, the two of us are 26, and Bombay Bistro just celebrated its 25th anniversary. So pretty much our entire lives, we've grown up inside of Indian restaurants. And one of the things we noticed was that from 25 years ago to today, Indian cuisine has grown incredibly in terms of adoption, and a lot of people love the cuisine. But what we're seeing is there's a lot of smaller kind of hole-in-the-wall places and a lot of high-end restaurants. And as a result, everyone says they like Indian food. But when you ask how often they eat it, it's three- or four-month gaps. So what we're really trying to do is allow people an affordable, tasty, healthy alternative and, uh, and really spread the joy of Indian cuisine.
0: Well, actually, yeah. you could answer this. How okay. often do people come? I mean, how often do people return to the same restaurant to dine? I mean, sure I mean it depends. I
2: mean, you know, I would think it a huge success to see somebody once a month. I mean, I see lots of people more than once a month. I have customers that I see three or four times a week. Uh, Get out of here. They're you the extremes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm very cool.
7: People like to come
2: see me. <laughs> I'm sure, uh, I'm sure that's and they, why. And they know that I'm not to I'm sure Mikey the food, Freeman's so. happy
0: to hear that's why they're coming that's to Red Hen right. for you. Uh,
2: that's that's right. No one came to the Red Hen before I was there. So.
0: <laughs> All right. Six so, months ago. So your mission is to is to basically get it from once every three or four months down to essentially. Once a week. Yeah? A Interesting. All right. And w- w- do you have a location yet? We do. So we're going to be opening up right next to Nationals
5: Park on First Street. That ain't bad. So uh, yeah, we'll be. We're aiming for a fall
0: opening right now, early fall, um, and we're excited. I mean, is there construction underway and all of that? Are you at that point?
8: Not quite yet. We've submitted our permits with uh, DCRA, and uh, we're, we're <laughs> so, eagerly anticipating. You guys will be back yeah. here.
0: You'll be like, yeah, I remember twenty five years ago when we submitted <laughs> our permits, and, and I, that's right. If I can just get my wheelchair to the door. <laughs> no, that's yeah. All right, so. Yeah, that's a real grind too. We'll talk about that too. All right, guys, thank you. Let's, uh, Anna, you want to step up to the plate here? Uh, Anna Brandlis was in here many moons ago, probably three years ago, when they uh, she and Sean uh, launched the DC Empanadas food truck, uh, and then later you got your stall at Union Market. She's in with Chris Martino, who's going to be shaking and baking some drinks over there, and Mikey Torres. Uh, Mike, Mikey, what's your position? With I'm the, the general manager. You're the GM. All right, so. Anna, tell us you know why this madness? you already have a success two successes. Why do this?
1: Well, you know, I was bored no <laughs> um, I love Mexican food. um it's honestly if I could eat tacos twice a week, i would um
0: I'm gonna eat one right now mm-hmm. unfortunately
1: d c has a shortage of really good mexican food um Mm -hmm. and not necessarily i would say like a shortage of really good mexican food but a shortage of places that serve good mexican food where you'd like to spend more than 10 minutes of your day um you know there's a lot of little holes in the wall that that do a wonderful job but there's not a lot of really amazing that places that are serving (coughs) top-notch mexican food Um. yep that's (laughs) a little that's a little chipotle (laughs) top-notch mexican food where you want to hang out and you want to spend time so I wanted I wanted to create that. I wanted a place where I would want to hang out with my friends.
0: All right, so I know your target opening is in spring where?
1: We are on Upshur Street uh, in Petworth.
0: okay, and are you under construction and all of that? Uh, we
1: are almost done.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. So
0: you're worried about the snowstorm on Tuesday? I am, The I monster am. snowstorm is going to kill us all. The monster snowstorm
1: is going to prevent my cable from being installed. Therefore, <laughs> no internet. Therefore, no point of sale. Oh, dear
0: God. <laughs> oh well. That's a, that's a showbiz. Uh, you know, Mikey, anything to add? We got, we're going to move on and talk about another one of the spots, but anything else that... Your boss left out of the story?
3: Yeah, no, I think that uh, our goal is really to be hospitable. You know, we're all passionate about this industry. And, you know, Anna and I have been doing this for a long time. I've actually known her my whole life. She knew me as a, a little baby. Uh, Aww, so, you know, the, yeah. little baby Mikey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, so our, we're both very passionate about it. And hospitality is what we're trying to bring to the scene. You know, we want to give more than just good food. We want to give good service and make you feel comfortable in our house. That's really what it's all about.
0: That's a good summary. All right, next up, Alexandra Bookless and Michael Turner are going to be opening June. It's an American restaurant. It will focus on local sourcing. Guys, swallow those tacos and step up to the mic. Here they come. This is hard when there's food in the studio. So what was the driving force? What were you guys doing before, and what made you just say, hey, let's open up a restaurant?
9: Well, personally, I've been in the industry for about 17 years. And um,
0: you look like you're about 19. So,
9: <laughs>
0: so you're like Rahul. You were born into the industry, literally.
9: Literally, no. Um, it's about half my life uh, to age myself. Um, and I managed the passenger in DC for pretty much the whole time it was open. Um, so that's kind of where are I came a, from. Are you
0: a Derek disciple?
9: I am. Okay. Yep. <laughs>
11: um i spent about 10 years with jose andreas off and on and then opened Dicaia. so we were on the west coast and then we wanted to come back we just had a daughter about seven months ago well, congratulations so thanks we're just, uh, yeah we
9: weren't busy enough so we yeah. yeah. <laughs> sam, sam
7: will
0: agree kids are a pain in the ass but <laughs> yes i was i was very bad that's right enjoy it now um, and so why june why this concept uh, well, we were doing a
11: similar concept on the West Coast, but uh, coming back here, um, we, um, same idea, but just wanted to, like, work with all the local people, all the local fishermen and farmers, and whatnot. Um, it is uh, important to me because I grew up
0: in Maryland, so, um, but
11: I've been in D.C. for so long, so.
0: All so, right, uh, and now, and you're currently in the pop-up stage, correct? Yes. Correct. Are you looking for a location, or have you...
11: We're, you know, we're, we're having fun with it right now because we have the seven month old. Okay. So that's kind of <laughs> that's our focus.
7: <laughs>
0: Why don't you just open a seven month old
11: and the restaurant? Right? All
0: right. So, but you'll be at uh, New Kitchens on the Block and people can come in and get a, a real taste of what you have in mind. Yes. And actually, that's probably a good opportunity for potential investors to come and meet folks and all that. So it's a good sort of showcase. Mm-hmm. Love it. All right. So, Stacy, where are you? So let's—I mean, let's talk about—we, you know, we kind of got the, uh, the overview, if you will, of of Dio. But w- w- what made you decide to do this in the first place?
10: Yeah, well, um, I grew up in Sonoma County, California, so I was exposed. Life to is hard, isn't it? I, I struggles. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wah, wah, wah. exposed to wine my whole life and grew up around it and kind of took it for granted. Didn't really. I mean, did you me grow all- up
0: on a vineyard? I mean-
10: uh, no um but i my family is all still out there and there is a vineyard now every time i go home so it it kind of Seeps into your your family life whether you like it or not. So over time, yes, there was a vineyard in the picture, um, but it's more like a hobby vineyard. And so,
0: did you look at the marketplace and say, you know, there are wine bars? I mean, certainly. yeah,
10: there's actually DC has a plethora of wine bars. Um, I think there's upward of seventeen now. But and you saw a hole
0: in the marketplace.
10: I did. You know, there um, there are places that are starting to serve natural wines, but it it hasn't really gotten much traction or much of a foothold in the city. And most of the places that are doing it, like Red Hen are restaurants, which is great, but we don't have a bar that really specializes and offers a space where you can go in and have this whole wine program dedicated to this, you know, to this montage of really special wines. Well, do you guys make a big
0: deal out of the fact on your wine list that these are natural wines and these are unnatural wines? We carry natural wines. Right, but I mean, is that something that you push? Uh,
2: Yeah. I mean, the menu... Specifically, used to say it. We don't have it on there anymore. It's more of a yeah. conversation, and that's what exactly. I think is probably the most important part of having a wine bar. For is you get to have the conversation about why why natural wine, and you know why this is our vision, right? right? And,
10: and, and it's it's a differentiator, but at the same time, I mean, we want to bring people in that. Are just looking to drink wine and, uh, you know, expose them to something different without necessarily need to needing to shove down a whole entire concept down their throat, you know. So at the end of the day, it's about wine and about enjoying the drink. And this is just another style. And the great thing is that um, there's a lot of excitement around it for people that are a bit more aware of this style of winemaking and are a bit more educated on the natural side of things and looking for that. And they're looking around town, and they're saying, like, I can't find it anywhere. Um, So you get kind of both ends of the spectrum.
2: Now, when you talk about different, you started us off with Lambrusco, Yeah, and it wasn't sweet. No. They don't have to be sweet.
10: It's so true. (laughs) So especially in the 80s, I feel like people got used to these cloyingly sweet Lambruscos, where it's bubbly, it's red, it's bright, and it's sugary. What you're all tasting now, it almost has a bit of funk to it and it's dry and it's fruity and it's it's heavy. It's it's a dark lambrusco. Um I hope you like it. And you know, that's the thing about natural wines is they're all they, they they go the range. You know, you get some sweet ones, you get some really dry ones, you get some with, like, a lot of earthiness and funk, but there's definitely more of a distinct flavor to them because this one has no sulfites. You're really getting, like, that. Do you that. spend
0: your whole day tasting wines?
10: I have done that. <laughs> yeah, I think it was last Monday I was tasting you, you, you for four hours a lot. straight. I was
0: wondering. I Sorry? Did, I said you giggle a lot. I just was <laughs> wondering if it's alcohol, you know. No, I
10: think that's just me. I'm, like, naturally on my, like, wine high all the time, even when I'm not drinking, but, um... But no, I I mean, I spend a lot of time um, tasting, also spitting. Otherwise, I think I'd go crazy Um, and would just be laying on the floor.
0: We'll be back to you shortly to pour some more wine. We're going to take a quick commercial break now. This is David Nellis along with Sam Nellis of the famous Red Hen over in uh, Bloomingdale. And we'll be back right after these messages.
7: When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up. I want to be a kid's first computer. I want to be a warm place on a I want to play. be a football I stadium. I want to be a bike that races around the country. I want to be a bench on a forest trail. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be.
8: Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. If
6: you've ever worked for a large company that provides services to a customer, at some point you may have said, Huh, I think I might be able to do this better on my own. Well, this is a show for people who actually take the step off the ledge and fend for themselves in the cutthroat world that is government contracting. I'm Alan Scott of Columbia Technology Partners and host Ready to Prime. Part information, part inspiration, and all small business. Heard the last Tuesday of every month on Federal News Radio 1500 AM or on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search Ready to Prime. I'm Rynthia Rost, Vice President of Public Affairs for GEICO. Great futures start at the Boys and Girls Clubs of America, but only with the help of your generous support. Join us at GEICO in helping to give a chance to kids in your community. Donate to Boys and Girls Clubs of America today, because every kid deserves a great future. Simply go to bgca.org for more information. GEICO, serving communities for over 75 years.
10: A cheese and a large soda. That's ten thousand and twelve dollars. Please drive around.
8: Ten thousand what? It's
10: obvious you're buzzed and driving.
8: I've only had a few. I'm
2: fine. Yeah,
10: the food stall box. But getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around ten thousand dollars in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Please drive around. Actually, just park and come in.
6: Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving
0: is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast. Ba- foodie and the Beast. Foodie and the Beast with David Nellis and Sam Nellis from the legendary now Red Hen restaurant over in Bloomington.
10: <laughs> I know,
0: I know. By the end of the show, it'll be you know God given. Uh, so we've got everybody in. We're in talking about an event sponsored by Mess Hall called New Kitchens on the Block. And Mess Hall again is a is a restaurant concept incubator, and it's not just about, you know, kind of helping people with a kitchen so they can try out their recipes. Um, there's business advice. There's there's facilitation that goes on there as well, right, Al, to help people really figure out the business of being in, in the restaurant business too.
4: Yeah, there's a lot to it. You know, we create these relationships with those people here, and we'll we'll be leaning on uh, these 11 concepts that we'll be at NKOTB uh, when they do open to take on some of our producing members and say, hey, remember, you know, everybody's got to stand on each other's shoulders and all that. Um, so it's really about uniting the whole the whole community um, here in D.C., the whole food community. Um, but beyond that, you know, we also um, we have event space that we use for our own events that we produce. Um, my favorite events are ones produced by our buddy here, Nevin. He just um, says that
3: because I'm standing right next to him. But we do weddings. Does that have anything and, to
4: do with
0: cannabis? Uh, <laughs> it might be. <laughs> yeah. right. That's problem. If you smoke enough, you, too, can be friends with, uh, with Nevin. You'll <laughs> even laugh at his jokes, some All right, right, well, let's start, let's start. We want to have the rest of the show be devoted to kind of a roundtable discussion. Um, you know, I mean, Sam and I were talking before, and, and the first question is the most obvious question. Which is, what is the hardest part about uh, getting a restaurant or a concept pulled together and launched? I mean, and everybody should join in on this, because I think Al's perspective is one, but when you're in the middle of doing it, it's probably another. I mean, come on. Anna Anna. God, Anna. Anna with the Anna. I know, right? All right. You can punch him, you know.
1: I would I would I would have to say making the decision whether you want to take on investors or whether you're gonna do it all on your own. That was the hardest part for me personally to come to that, you know, decision.
0: But but you already had a food concept going. So yep. that's that might be a different thing from like you know, but it
1: was a totally different Michael, concept.
0: Michael and Alexandra, step up to the microphone because this is your first. This will be your first restaurant, right?
9: Yeah.
0: Right. So, is fear the biggest thing to overcome?
9: <laughs> no.
0: What's, what's? I mean, what are the obstacles to even sort of getting the concept, to pulling it together and, and getting going?
9: Money.
11: Money, money. It's always money. Money. You can do anything but is money?
3: money. such a problem? <laughs> <laughs> Wealth should be free. I'd, I'd love to hear from both you guys. Like, you talk about whether to take on investors or to bring your own money to the table. Like, is it even possible to open a restaurant in D.C. these days, just unless you're incredibly wealthy on your own or you have some sort of a, a family history that's going to help you out? I mean, is it possible to open a restaurant on your own?
1: We're doing it 100% on our own. We don't have investors who well, you're not wealthy <laughs> 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 by any stretch of the imagination. Um... You know, I it was something that I learned from my, my best friend, Jamie Leeds. She said, you, wanna own it. you want to own it. You want every decision to be yours, and you don't ever want to have to clear it with, you know, some random third party who knows nothing and, and doesn't have anything, you know, emotionally invested in your concept.
0: So how do you do that? I mean, is yeah. it you just get credit cards and max them out? Or?
1: No, we we just can't retire ever. <laughs> 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 so we can't retire. I have a kid going to college next year. That college fund that we had, well.
7: <laughs> is he going to college next yeah, year? She <laughs> is going to college next
10: year, absolutely. That, that was actually um, a huge hurdle for me because, I mean, this is my first venture, and D.C. is extremely expensive to start a business, and so – Um, I had to toy around with different, you know, financing and looking at investors and really people that wanted to take over a larger percentage of ownership. And for me, it was really important that I was the primary owner of my bar. And right now I'm 100 percent because I've managed to basically work with lenders and find certain ways that I can still have that full ownership. But it's complicated. I think there's a million different ways you can go about it in terms of being creative and savvy around how you get that financing, but it's hard. I, I well, think anybody else hard. want
0: to chime in on this subject? Because it's, you know, I mean, you all have different experiences. Yeah. Hit it.
8: Yeah, this is uh, Sahil from Ross Grill. And for us, it was uh, it was extremely complicated. I mean, we tried to go to some banks, and they told us they don't like two things. Uh, one of those is startups, and the other is restaurants, and we happen to be both.
0: But <laughs> uh, well, wait, we're a startup restaurant.
8: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so uh, – Then we were like, okay, how do we raise money? And it was just so interesting to see how many different modes there are that you can do that and then really figuring out the right one for you, which allows you to still feel comfortable and in control of your business but makes the other folks feel comfortable coming on board with you as well.
0: Well, there are other aspects to the whole thing too. There's just the the legal side of things. There's dealing with architects and general contractors and 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 the permitting, which in D.C. is just it's an arduous process. Is D.C. famous for
7: bureaucracy? Yeah, <laughs> that's um, weird. I
0: didn't um, know that. Um, <laughs> and even the technology, because because the the tech side of, of 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 restauranting, if you will, has become way more complex for inventory control, for for just putting the bill out and all of that. So, it, uh, Al, is that part of what Mess Hall helps with? Yeah, I mean, we
4: we definitely connect people with um, uh, we help people get through DCRA uh, process through the DCA process through Department of Health. Um, There's actually a lot of resources out there. Um, Sometimes you just need a little bit of help navigating your way through. And I think um, one of the one of the best resources is just fellow uh, entrepreneurs within uh, and restaurateurs within the city who have gone through it. I know that's what I relied upon when when we were building Mess Hall out, and that wasn't without its challenges.
0: Well, are there certain, uh, kind of going back to the money thing, because I, you know, I know I've met some people who are big investors in a number of different restaurant concepts, not just with one chef or one, you know, one owner or one concept. And is the danger there that you get, I mean, I know some classic stories. Uh, A very good friend uh, uh, was a chef and a restaurateur and he got out of the business. He's now a, a food writer. Uh, Why would he do that (laughs) because he had investors who you know backed him but when they would come in they wanted the best table in the place and they wanted to eat for free and they were you know those kind of guys and um, it was it killed his business really because they wanted to direct him is that the primary concern. Anybody?
1: I mean, you hear horror stories of chefs that are literally driven out of their own restaurant. It's their yeah. concept, their recipes, and all of a sudden they're no longer affiliated with their successful restaurants. So, you know, that's something you want to take, at least for us, I wanted to take that possibility completely out of the equation. Okay. So, you know, if we succeed, if we fail, it's 100% on us. It's not, there's no external component to that.
0: All right. Well, let's, Yeah.
8: Uh-huh. Yeah, and I just wanted to jump in. So we did take on investors and one of the, the concerns is a lot of these folks are they're very smart people. you know they've built their own businesses, they're in tech, they're, they're doing their own thing and so they're very opinionated. Um, and so when we went into the process, we acknowledged we said, look, we believe you have really valuable ideas, but when you come on, we want you to come on and trust us and believe that what we're going to do is in the best interest of the business. And we made that really clear. And there was actually some folks who were too opinionated, and we said, look, I don't think this is going to be quite the right fit. And I think being clear so did up the rest of them sign
0: a piece of paper guaranteeing to, to stand back?
8: Yes, they did. Yeah, uh, and I think it's really important to, to do so.
0: All right. I mean,
2: what that speaks to me from what everybody says is that all your restaurants are reflections of you, you know, that they aren't just business ventures. Uh, it really seems like everybody's very passionate about putting out an image of something that's important to them that speaks to to their heart and soul as a... Well, as that's a probably produce. where you're the
0: most successful. If you look at what, um, uh, you know, Mikey and, and, you know, the group that, I mean, they've got All Purpose now. They've got um, Red Hen. Is there another one on tap, too? Am I right?
2: There's um, another All Purpose coming out. Another All Purpose. Yeah. I
0: mean, that was their... Vision from the beginning. I think that's what drives you. But let me ask you this: you know, at the top of the show, we kind of talked about this being a much more mature dining out marketplace than it was ten years ago. So, Michelin rated.
2: That's right. right. <laughs> yeah, Michelin rated. I only really know about tires. I don't know this.
0: But um, I mean, how does that affect your thinking? And how that's a huge leap to be taking now. You know, where you're not in a, where you're in a marketplace that's just starting to accept kind of you know, a, a variety of cuisines. How does that affect your thinking when you're when you're preparing your concept when you're doing that? Anna's going to step up.
1: Um, well, you know, I think that especially in a town like D.C., you know, you have all these chain restaurants and people coming into our marketplace, et cetera, but I think that the D.C. consumer is looking for more authentic, more, more you know, from the heart, from the soul, to see that the restaurateurs and the chefs are actually putting forth a product that, is important to them. It's not just coming out of some huge kitchen and the bottom line isn't just making the dollar. The bottom line is we want to give you, you know, a piece of us and we want you to enjoy your experience at our place and we want you to come back. We want to be the neighborhood spot. You know, I don't just want you to come once a week either. You know, I want you to be there, you know, after school with your kids. You know, we want we want to be a, an integral part of your life of your community. We're not just there to make money.
3: And I think the thing that you'll notice, David, about every participant at NKOTB, the first one, this one, that those, those that we do for, is that um, we're very specific in the sense that we want local entrepreneurs. You won't see national chains represented at the event. You won't see out-of-towners that are coming here to plunk down a concept. You're going to see all people that are coming up in the D.C. scene. This is their home. This They really want to be a passionate part of the dining scene. That's something that's really important to Al and I is to kind of make sure that that's a strong kind of like guardrail for the event. We always stay focused on uh, the people that are here and are working hard locally to make it awesome.
4: You'll see that at all of our events. You see that at Ramen World, a, where celebrate, which we did two weeks ago, uh, we're celebrating just the best of the local food cuisine. And, you know, to your point, David, about um, D.C. becoming just the, you know, uh, you know, on all these lists and... Uh, you know, have then then that be, then there's the question: Have we crested? Right? Is it have we reached the, the best of the best? And you know, I let critical I, masses, really yeah, which is you know hotly debated too, right? In our industry, and I think that this that there's a room full of people here, um, who are here to prove that otherwise, so we're just getting started.
0: Well, Rahul, you wanted to say something? Yeah,
5: I was I was just gonna add on to some of Anna and Nevin's comments. Uh, basically that as Sahil and I have gone through this process over the past year and a half, we really found out that D.C. really gets behind its own, and people take a lot of pride in the concepts that start in D.C. and are really born here. And I think uh, part of uh, why we're here today so far for the past year and a half is that other D.C. restaurateurs and entrepreneurs have lent their time to us, and we sat down with them. We went through different financing options and how we should work through the menu and how other fast casuals who we're going to be competing against have sat down and met with us, whether it's Taylor Gourmet or Ann Pizza or Cava. And really, you know, even though we're going to be competing for the same people, they still want us to succeed as well. Well, that's really
0: interesting because, you know, I mean, there are several stories of out-of-town big-name restaurants they weren't necessarily chains. They had a big, you know, a big popular restaurant, say, in New York City.
3: Daniel Belote. <laughs> <Palette.
0: clears throat> huh? <What? laughs> well, they think they're going to come down here and take over the world, and they have sort of disdain, for like mm-hmm. D.C., you know, a bunch of pumpkins. Um, steakhouses. Steakhouses. All oh, steakhouses. Right. And uh, <laughs> they failed spectacularly, and maybe some of it's because, they're, they're, you know, the service was tepid and the food was eh, but some of it's, I think, because you know, DC is still a very—it's a small town trapped in a big city—and I think but, we do support our own. I goal. think
2: I think the biggest thing to remember for anyone from the national stage listening is that people live here and people work here, and we're going to look after our own. Yeah, yeah. So stay. Yeah. 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 Sam Nellis. Yeah. So stay yeah. Out. All right, we
0: got to take a break. This is Foodie and the Beast with David Nellis and Samuel. Nellis. That's awesome. I hear name. he works uh-huh. at the Red Hen. Is yeah, that yeah, true? At the, at the Red River. Hen, which is now on Mount Olympus. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back right after yeah. this
1: message. I'm Aileen Black, and I'm Gigi Shum. Together, we host Women of Washington. You'll hear the inspiring and amazing stories of women who have paved their own path to success and achieved incredible milestones in their careers. Some have leaned in. Others took an unconventional approach. All have made an impact on the business landscape of Washington, D.C. and beyond. Tune in Wednesday afternoon noons at 1 for women of washington federal news radio 1500 a.m download it anytime at federalnewsradio.com search women of washington
2: the west point society of washington dc supported by alumni sponsors and individuals is preparing its 10th annual leadership and ethics conference for dc metro area 11th graders march 16th at the george mason university arlington campus 200 students will learn how to deal with leadership and ethical challenges using West Point's ethical decision-making model designed to help develop leaders of character several top students will win college scholarships for more information search West Point ethics and leadership on Facebook
8: this is your brain on drugs any questions
10: um yeah I have questions prescription drugs aren't as bad as street drugs right weed's legal
8: isn't it drinking is worse than smoking weed Isn't it? Why is heroin so addictive? Molly just
10: makes you feel happy. I have questions. Mom? Dad? Did you ever try drugs?
6: They're going to ask. Be ready. Go to drugfree.org. A message from Partnership for Drug-Free Kids. This segment of Foodie and the Beast is sponsored by ProFish, D.C.'s premier seafood company. ProFish delivers only the freshest, safest, and most sustainable seafood. Visit them at profish.com. This Tuesday, 314, is Pie Day, and the market at River Falls in Potomac will be selling their award winning crab cakes for 314 instead of the regular price of eleven ninety-five. Limit six per customer. MarketRiverFalls.com or call 301
0: 765 8001. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast. I did it again. again. I must <laughs> want to be from the South. Anyways, I mean, Foodie <laughs> and the Beast with David Nellis and Sam Nellis stepping in from. The uh, Red hand, which now exists in heaven, <laughs> we've ascended even further. Uh, before we get to the show, I just want to thank our sponsors and partners, the folks at Pro Fish, uh, uh, Celebrity Cruises, the Market at River Falls, which, as you heard during the break, has these incredible crab cakes on Pie Day, which is Tuesday, March 14th, for $3.14 each. So go there. It's right in the heart of Potomac, Maryland. Um, and our friends at Central Farm Markets as well. So... I want to get back to this. We're going to wrap up and talk about New Kitchens on the Block and where to get tickets. But, Michael and Alex, step up to the microphone, because I asked you a question during the break. You know, you want to, your, your focus is going to be on local sourcing and all of that. And my question to you was, with every, I mean, there's a lot of emphasis in the marketplace on local sourcing. So do you ever kind of run into a place where they say, you say, I want your produce, or I want this, or I want that? And they say, geez, I, you know, I'm already sort of committed to these four restaurants and I just don't have anything more for you. Is there? Is it that tight out there, or not at all?
9: No, we haven't run into that at all. I was saying um, it's not like you. Know, so I'm an the,
0: idiot, right? No. <laughs> okay. No I, no. I am, but
7: um, <laughs> no, we we haven't
9: run into that yet. I just don't think there's that many places doing it. That's putting that much pressure um, on the market yet. And um, I don't know if it ever will. But you know, there's still plenty of oysters in the bay, so we haven't run into that. Do
0: they? Do they? Do the other chefs or tours demand? exclusivity from any providers
11: um kind of back to the last question i don't think the problem is that there is so like everybody like in maryland or like the area would always like all their fish from like the pacific ocean or like they want like tuna but like they always forget there's like fish in the bay which is so like there's not enough people actually trying to get the local stuff so no there's always there's a lot of stuff out there
2: all right because okay. we saved it. Yeah, because we've saved it. We saved the bay. Everyone <laughs> bought the license plate yeah, yeah. and now we right. saved yeah. it. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So there's no fertilizer
0: flowing into the bay anymore. Uh it I didn't really ask about sourcing. Is anybody doing anything? I mean, I know Stacy and her and her natural wines are coming from all over the world. Have you had to do anything sort of extracurricular to get the right ingredients or 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 <laughs> spices or anything like that that you just can't find here? Locally? None of that?
3: We had to go on Amazon to buy a giant inflatable unicorn for the event.
0: <laughs> 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 Evan, I can see why you're a world-famous journalist. World
7: famous. <laughs> yeah.
8: Uh, yeah, I mean, so Rahul and I actually took a trip to, uh, to India to do some research. And we actually went to um, an organic spice farm in Kerala, which is uh, where Rahul's family's from. And so it was really interesting to see how they're producing it there and explore opportunities to, to bring those spices directly from the source. To, uh, to D.C.
0: Good. So how how much of a challenge is that? I mean, in terms of, you know, finances and in terms of, I mean, I, I don't know, do, do, they, do the spices come on a plane or are they sticking them on a boat? How do they get here?
8: So we're kind of going through that process right now. It's definitely a lot of coordination and making sure that we're able to meet their buying requirements because there is a lot of work in terms of bringing that overseas. So I'll hopefully have an answer for you in the next few weeks. So okay.
2: are you Are you going through customs to do that? Do you have to, like...
8: Ah, uh, so carrots. there's. I mean, there's people that the spice farm in India works with in the U.S. Gotcha. And so we're we're not trying to deal with the customs. Farm I was things. just going
2: to say, like, you're going <laughs> to take on additional bureaucracy <laughs> to, get,
0: to get your spices. So, I'm very impressed.
2: So, no, can
8: no, you, no, I'm what not can
0: impressed. you do? Buy it from the people that are already importing it. Is that how you'll do it?
8: Ah, uh, that's how we're looking at it right yeah, now. Yeah, that's
0: smart. That's good, but that's an extra cost factor, right? <laughs> exactly. So.
8: Yep. <laughs> All
0: right. So let's, we've got a couple more minutes of the show. Let's get back to Alan Nevin and really talk about the event again. I want to make sure that anybody who joined us in the middle of this knows. We're talking about New Kitchens on the Block, which is a showcase, really, for new restaurant concepts that are coming up. It's March 19th at Mess Hall. Um, but let's kind of get back to the incubation thing. I mean, do you have a wait? That's another question. Do you have a waiting list of people trying to get in a mess hall? Uh,
4: you know, it's a good question. Um, we take people on pretty selectively. We had about 250 people apply uh, last year. <clears throat> and uh, we're, we we like to sit right around 40 different members.
0: Um, these are people that come regularly. Um, What's we- the process? I mean, if I want to I have an idea for a barbecue place, do I – is there a – obviously there's an application, but what is it? Entailed. There is an app,
4: there's a written application um, there's some in-person meetings. there's a lot of conversation that goes on to make sure that we can we feel that the that the people are ready sometimes we think that they're that we that we might believe in them, but we might not think that they're quite at that stage and ready to launch
0: so what makes you ready or not ready?
4: Uh, you know a business plan goes a long way. you definitely want to have your p and l lined up. your financials have to make sense and not be upside down. Um, you're a brand identity and certainly a story to tell um, absent a story. I don't
0: think that Anyone can really survive um, in the marketplace. So if I have a great story, but I I don't know what a P&L is, and uh, clearly from the business I run, I don't. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, and I don't know. I've never done a business plan. Do you provide some guidance there, or do they have to go out and just figure that out on their own?
4: Yeah, we provide we provide everyone with some resources on how how to how to make how to start making this happen. Right. So. There's lots of resources out there, such as SCORE, which is, uh, you know, uh, lots of free resources out there that where people can start to put all this stuff together. So once we decide that somebody is, uh, is ready to launch, then we'll walk them through the process of licensing correctly, um, following the, the legal channels, um, coming to market, and then we help launch them um, and provide business uh, services and consultative
0: services to help Help people get out there. And then once they do it, let's say you know once Dio Wine Bar opens, are you still in touch with Stacy and and kind of you know is it like helping the bird leave the nest or once it, once she's open, it's like so, nice to talk to you, Stacy. I mean, is, <laughs>
4: yeah. Now we have great relationships with our alums, and being mindful that it's not all just restaurants. There are consumer packaged goods. Um, there's food trucks. Uh, there's bakeries. There's wholesalers. Uh, people make beverages, and uh, and there's. There's quite a, a diverse um, line of different products that are there, so um, there's really we were, we really like to think that we're with people throughout their whole business life cycle and again, you know we'll call upon our alums to help each other, um, be it with labeling of products or um, lots of different things things that we can't necessarily help with that we'll just say well, you know i I really don't know um, this specific question about labeling for this particular market, um, but we know someone that
0: that that just went through it. And they'll help you. That's great. All right. Well, let's get back to New Kitchens on the Block and end with a bang. Um, Nevin, do the rundown of everybody that's going to be there because there's some names you know and names you don't, and concepts you do and concepts you don't.
3: Sure. So there's 11 concepts represent Salt Line, which is Kyle Bailey, who used to be at Birch and Barley, Reverie from Johnny Spiro, who got a Ramy nod when he was at Mini Bar, Unconventional Diner. Didn't Johnny, by,
0: did Johnny get a Michelin star? Um, I don't well, know. Mini but Bar. Think he Mini Bar back after, after a couple his of stars. tenure. But after his tenure, there. Okay. Uh,
3: we've got unconventional diner by David Deshay, who's at Central. Michel the Show
0: a week ago, so. Uh,
3: Lupo Verde, the Palisades location, um, by Matteo Vendini, who's on the uh, 14th Street location. It's my favorite pasta
2: restaurant on 14th <laughs> Street. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we got. You know, uh, my favorite
3: radio stations on Idaho <laughs> <laughs> Avenue. I don't know. <laughs>
0: uh,
3: we've got Flamand by uh, Frederick Depew, who used to be at Table or Tabla or Table. Tabla depending on how, uh, who you were talking to. Yeah. Rasa by our friends here. June uh, by our friends here. Taqueria Del Barrio by our friends here. Dio by our friend here. We have a um, lot of friends. We do. We're um, all here. We <laughs> have Cat's District Coffee coming. They're a new small uh, batch uh, roaster here that are opening up uh, in College Park in the fall. And we've got Sugar Shack Donuts, who have a location oh. in Arlington and some others in Virginia. They're finally opening up one in Seattle. Thanks for
0: bringing them in, Al. That would have been great. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> well, but if you come to finish. the
3: event, Sunday, March 19th, two sessions, 11 to 1 and 2 to 4, tickets on Eventbrite. Uh, you'll be able to eat and drink all you like during the two hour session. Lots of green
4: hat. Yeah, uh, yep. Green, green hat. hat will be Catoctin
3: on him, Creek. Creek. And, uh, John
0: Usselton, will yep. he be there?
3: He will oh. sure be. Right, yeah. yeah, he's a good uh, man. And then Devil's Backbone Beer, which will be great. I don't and, know that one. Ooh, yeah, yeah. fantastic! I you would like a lot of their stuff. Yeah, I yeah. think you would dig them. Um, and uh, and then there's a free walkaway for everybody from Munchery, which is a meal delivery service. Everybody goes home. Sounds with the, to me
0: like you better hook up with Lyft or Uber too, because <laughs> it would not be a bad idea. <laughs> a, uh, delete yeah. Uber. What? Uh, sorry, that, what was the other one? Either that or everybody <laughs> who registers gets a free sleeping Lyft with a bag. The why? Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to. Thank everybody for coming in, Alan Nevin, and for bringing all these folks in. Uh, I, this event sounds like a ton of fun. Give the web address one more time to make sure.
3: Sure, tickets are right now on Eventbrite, and it's called
0: New Kitchens on the Block and KOTB. And KOTB. We didn't, we didn't practice
3: that. I thought I was going to be the
0: bass, and you were going to be the trouble. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no you're the trouble. <laughs> thank you. And Sammy, I want to thank you for coming in here, and you're so welcome. Pretending to be Nikki. You're so welcome. You're not nearly. (laughs) You're not even close to that, but you're frankly, a lot less trouble. So that's great. All right. So thanks for joining us on Foodie and the Beast. We've got a great show uh, for you next week. Check the list. Are you on it dot com to find out everybody that's going to be on and everybody. This is Nikki's closing line. Have a delicious week.